Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. Joining us out of London, England is... Uh, man who writes for the H list. He's formerly written for 442 and The Guardian as well. Jim Kearns, how are you, sir? Yes. Hey, sorry. Can you can you hear me, Rick? Yeah, I've got you now, mate. I've got you now. Uh, of course, uh, I, I died in the wool West Ham fan. We will talk other things other than West Ham, but we should start uh, with your beloved Hammers uh, first. Uh, not the start of the season you would have wanted, I think, is probably uh, understatement of the year. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a little distressed that you are starting with West Ham. It feels, it feels a bit unreasonable. Um, that's that's going to depress me. Um, yeah, I've, I've, you know, you don't want the five thousand word answer to this, but it's it's been a disastrous start. Clearly, three uh, three defeats and three and no goals. Um, but possibly some extenuating circumstances. You know, you play Manchester City on the first day, difficult game. Brighton, we've never beaten since they came back into the Premier League, um, and they look very good. Um, and then I think the game at Nottingham Forest was a sort of, uh, you know, a Shakespearean tragedy of the game. I don't quite know how they lost it. So I, I, I think there are some extenuating circumstances. But if you, you know, if you call me back in, in two weeks and we still haven't won, uh, I, I might be starting to sort of get under the covers a little bit because that would be disastrous. <laughs> uh, well, it feels like after last season, Moyes has got credit in the bank with West Ham fans that he might not have always had since he's been there. How's the feeling at the moment? Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and, you know, if you, if you think back, you know, four months, you know, we're in a Europa League semi-final. So I think that you're, you're quite right. There is credit in the bank. With that being said, there is a bit of an odd turn that people are sort of starting to get a bit angsty. And um, some of that's to do with the fact that, you know, we've spent, well, as of yesterday, £125 million on new players. Um, and a lot of them haven't really been starting, which is a mixture of injuries and just them not really being match fit um, but people are starting to sort of say well we bought all these new guys where are they and um, that in itself is also a reflection of the fact that I think the club are trying to transition away from being a counter-attacking side to being a possession side um, and that in itself that will just take a little bit of time so I, I think he's got credit in the bank as you say but you know two three more losses and yeah things might start to turn a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I look at the business that uh, West Ham have done. Nikola Vlasic's never really quite fired there, so he's gone on loan um, to to Reno. Yamalenko was a very hit-and-miss player. You get a decent game out of him about every 10. Um, and every, every, everybody else on that you know, list, Mark Noble, was passed, to, passed as used by. I think you've done good business with the guys that you've got out. Um, and I'm interested to see how the others go that you've brought in. I mean, Flynn Downs is one for the future out of Swansea. He's a midfielder. I doubt you'll see mm-hmm. a lot of him this year. But guys like Maxwell Cornet and particularly Gianluca Scamaca, uh, who's been brought for his goals, uh, those guys I'm surprised, given how things have gone already this season, we haven't seen more of. Yeah, I mean, agree with your assessment. I think what they've the players that they've replaced, they have definitely replaced them all with upgrades. I don't think you could 
reasonably argue that's not the case and it very well ought to be the case given they've spent so much money um i think skamaka and corno the problem is west ham have this sort of historic issue of not being able to get deals over the line until quite late in the in the transfer window and so if you if you compare them for instance to say sort of spurs or arsenal who did a lot of deals up front as soon as the window opened uh, west ham have done it later so therefore players have missed more of their pre-season so i think they're just sort of not up to speed um, themselves physically and then you overlay that with being at a new club a new way of playing or in Skamaka's case a new country altogether um, it probably will take a bit of time to blend but yeah I mean Skamaka was essentially the, the, the most sought after young forward in, in Europe I would say given his age and profile and all the rest of it so West Ham getting him was a huge coup and you would think that within the next 10 games he'd have to be establishing himself in the side and they're starting to play around him because otherwise that's a very expensive substitute to have at 30 odd million. Yeah, yeah, very expensive. I mean, all the talk has been about him being, uh, you know, the next Zlatan or the new Zlatan. Uh, he has played in Europe, your European qualifying, scored a couple of goals. Is it Viking that you played or Viborg? Oh, Viborg, yes, yeah, the, the Danish side. Yeah, he, yeah, he scored uh, against them and, and looked pretty decent. Um, but the pedigree you're talking about, of course, is comes from, you know, when he played in Serie A. Um, for Sassuolo and then in the in the international the national team as well. Um, but, I mean, is is any could anybody be the new Zlatan? I mean, I, he's such a such an unusual player um, and, and, and guy. You know, in general, I think it would be a difficult match to live up to. But what he does have, I think, is an unusual combination of being you know, physically dynamic. He's six foot five, but also quick. Yeah, so he's good in the air, but also good with his feet. It's kind of like the holy grail for a striker, right? Normally you get one or the other. You know, you get Andy Carroll, you know, who's, you know, very good on the, in the air, maybe not quite so good with the ball at his feet. So I think West Ham have gone for this sort of total, total package of being physical and technical. Um, I'm really excited to see how he does, you know. I mean, the one maybe the one caveat is that Italians haven't historically, in general, translated all that well to, to, to the Premier League. Of course, there have been a few who have been exceptional, people like Zola and so on. There's but by and large... A called De Canio was all right for you blokes. Yeah, I'm trying to... Yes, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm remembering back uh, to him. Yeah, you, you're quite right. But but as a, as a more general sort of observation, a couple of people around the game have said to me, oh, you know, Italians haven't translated all that well to the, to the Premier League. So we'll see. But I don't know. I think because he's physical, I, I, I see him doing well. Yeah, he's a, yeah, so long as he's not a, well, I mean, Peter Crouch, he always had that, he, he's good in the air for a big man, versus he's good on the, uh, on the ground for a big man, didn't he? You know, because he was a bit rubbish yes. in the air. Um, so, I agree with you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how, I, you know, to be honest, I'm a, I'm a little bit filthy, because I I was watching uh, Scarmarker a bit o over the last couple of seasons, and then he was linked with uh, Manchester United at one point as well, and I mm -hmm. looked at him and I thought, oh, you know, if he goes to West Ham, you know, it's it's really only him or Antonio. Surely he's going to be playing games, getting minutes. So I brought him straight into my FPL team, and he hasn't played. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, there's an old adage which is never rely on a West Ham player for your fantasy league team, and, and you're 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 discovering that. Unfortunately, an awful lot of people have put Bowen into their team and obviously got nothing so far. Um, but you know, an interesting point you make there actually is, you know, he he's a guy who was linked with Manchester United ends up at West Ham. What that probably tells you a little bit is the strength of the middle of the Premier League. Right? Those teams are so, um, you know, they've got so much money now and they're smarter and they're better. And that's probably translating a little bit into what we're seeing in the early parts of the season, right? You know, teams like Brighton and Palace look really, really good. And I think some of that's just those English teams can go and outbid um, a, a equivalent or even 
you know, higher ranked um, teams from overseas leagues just because of the TV money. Um, and that in itself is contributing, I think, to making the Premier League so interesting at the moment. Yeah, so you've got uh, you've got Stephen Gerrard's Villa this weekend after you've uh, after you've uh, got past Viborg um, in Europa League, uh, not Europa, was it Europa Conference qualifying? Um, mm-hmm. Stevie, yep. Stevie G's come under a bit of pressure, actually. I saw um, the other day somebody had posted stats, his stats at Villa versus Gary Neville's stats at Valencia, and they were <laughs> almost the same. Um, so you can see why maybe he's starting to come under a bit of pressure. Are you, are you confident of getting something uh, at Villa Park? Yeah, I saw, I saw that comparison. I, I was highly amused by it, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, Villa are, um, we are oddly Villa's bogey side. So since they've come back into the Premier League, I don't I think I'm right in saying that they haven't beaten us. Um, and we beat them home and away last year, beat them 4-1 at Villa. But things have moved on. I mean, West Ham are a different side. I think part of the pressure for him is he spent so much money. And there is, a, again, another huge turnover this summer. Big money signings have come in, and I don't necessarily know how well they're doing. Plus, one or two youngsters went out um, as well, which always causes a bit of unrest. Yeah, I think they're a good team for us to play, not least because we play Spurs and Chelsea immediately afterwards, so it's not getting any easier. So I think we desperately need something from the weekend. I think that West Ham can beat Villa, especially away from home, because we can sort of revert a little bit to that counter-attacking style, which is what we did to them last year, hit them on the break. And I think that they are beatable. I think if we lose it, though, um, all of a sudden you're at the bottom of quite a steep hill, I think. Yeah, that is true. Uh, a very steep hill. Uh, what about the Europa Conference League, then? Uh, how seriously do you think David Moyes will take it? And can you take anything uh, from the teams he's put out in the qualifying um, to, to give you a guide on that or not? Um, probably a little bit difficult because I think they always felt they were going to be viable. I mean, they're seventh in the Danish league, so you would imagine that um, you know West Ham would would be able to get past them. And what I think you saw in the first leg was a mixture of younger players or fringe players getting game time, plus the new signings getting a chance to to get up to speed and get a bit of fitness into their legs. I I think I think West Ham will take it quite seriously so long as they start to pick up points in the Premier League, which is you know, essentially what happened last year, they were flying in the league, were really in, in an, I would argue, probably focused a little bit on the Europa League at one point. And, and why not? Because we got all the way to the semi-final of the competition and probably should have got to the final. Um, so I think they'll take it quite seriously. It'll obviously depend a little bit on the draw. There, there are some good teams knocking around in that competition. But if they get a, a favourable draw, they might be able to, to to play the youngsters one, you know, in one or two games. Um, but I think they'll have a go at it until... It really causes them problems in the league, but of course the whole season's messed up this year because you have the World Cup slap bang in the middle of it. So I think there's there's that overlaid on top of it, which makes it a little bit difficult, really, to predict how teams are going to approach anything this year because they're all going to get a month off at Christmas. Um, it, I, I see a story linking West Ham to Conor Gallagher from from Chelsea, uh, which would be a great get if you can get it. So you're obviously not finished in the uh, in the transfer market then. Doesn't seem like it. I think they might be into the realms now of loans. Um, and I think that the last I heard, they were sort of knocking at Chelsea's door for, for almost anybody Chelsea would give them. So I think there's Gallagher, Brozier, um, Hudson Adoy. I think that he's now going somewhere else. But yeah, I mean, the thing about Gallagher is he was brilliant last year for Palace. Um, but he, you might argue he's not what West Ham need. What West Ham are struggling with is a passing midfielder. Mm. They're really struggling to progress the ball through the middle. And, and a lot of the blame sort of being fixed on Suchek at the moment because he's a. 
he's a runner, you know, and he's a, he's a guy who arrives in the box and scores goals and defends and all the rest of it. Not a million miles away from Gallagher. Gallagher's not a passing midfielder. So I think they might be interested in him, but I, I would be interested if he would um, solve the problems they're facing at the moment. I think they might need to, if they get him, they might still need to, to go and get another midfielder somewhere who can help them get from, from front to back because they're struggling with that at the moment. Well, maybe you should hit Chelsea up and see if they want to loan you Jorginho. I think at this point we won't take anybody. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, I think the you know one. I, I suspect Chelsea are probably quite keen to deal with West Ham because they'd like to secure an option on um, uh, on Declan Rice. So I think there's there's probably a lot of intrigue going on in all of those discussions at the moment. Plus Chelsea in, in general are crazy in the transfer market, right? I mean, I, I'm, <laughs> they're buying every defender going, so I can't work out what they're doing at all. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, there's no no the way Todd Bowley's going. There's no. Um guarantees that if West Ham go in for Conor Gallagher, he doesn't offer you Conor Gallagher and £40 million for Declan Rice because that's the sort of things that they're doing. Cause, and Declan Rice hasn't actually set things on fire. He's probably had some of his poorer games in a West Ham shirt this season so far. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think some of that is is systemic. So that kind of point I was making about um, teams are, are letting West Ham play through the middle because I think they, they know it's a struggle for them. And I think systemically we're in a bit of a, a weird place where as I said we're sort of trying to transition from one system to another but yeah Chelsea, Chelsea you're, you're not doing your job properly if you don't ring them up and, and make a crazy offer for one of their players at the moment because who knows what Todd Bowley's doing so uh, yeah they probably should be ringing them every day and, uh, and asking them for someone. Yeah all right mate well let's uh, have a look uh, at a few other clubs and a few other stories Jim. Uh, one of those of course is Manchester United's win over Liverpool at Old Trafford which means that that wouldn't put Manchester United above Liverpool in the league. Uh, strangely, three <laughs> games in Liverpool, still winless. Um, honestly, that you talk about uh, midfields that need a bit of work. When you go to Old Trafford for you know what you know is going to be a, a highly charged derby, and your starting midfielder is um, Harvey Elliott, uh, James Milner, and Jordan Henderson, and you've got Fabinho sat on the bench. Something do- doesn't feel right about that to me. I, yeah, and in particular, it was an, that was odd, given that Manchester United's problems historically have all been in the centre of the park, right? I mean, if you look at the week before, Man United went to Brentford and, and, and you know, as the, as the saying goes over here, instead of playing in midfield, they just went with vibes, you know, so just, you know, you know Ericsson floating around and, and I think you know, it was McTominay there. But, you know, like, just the, just the, the, the most odd um, selection you've ever seen. So I, I think... Yeah, the, the Liverpool thing is, is a bit strange because I still think they're very good. I mean, I, I still think Liverpool will, will finish second. Um, but they have looked really off the pace at times, uh, you know, so far this season. You know, draws with Fulham, draws with Palace. And didn't look at it at all on Monday. Something doesn't seem quite right there. Uh, Naby Kate has never really taken off for Liverpool. Liverpool fans might disagree but I, I, he was supposed to come in and be a, yeah. a real sort of whirlwind in the Premier League right and I don't think he's ever quite lived up to the expectations there. And I, so and I don't think he's getting on with yeah. Klopp because I, I was talking to a Liverpool fan the other day who said you know he, he was 100% certain that Cater wasn't injured um, and he's in the last year's deal mm. Liverpool aren't offering him anything else and he can't get in the first choice midfield even with the injuries they've got so it's more of a sulk. Uh, yeah, 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 absolutely, and 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 him not even being in the squad. I mean, it's just astonishing. To, as, as based on, uh, on what you said, you know, and that midfield they went with, and Milner's legs, you know, I mean, look, time 
Father Time catches up with us all, you know, and he's been uh, an absolute marvel, isn't he? If you think about his age and how long he's been playing, but his legs look like they've gone a little bit on Monday as well, I thought. So it will be interesting, I think, to see if they go and get a midfielder between now and the end of the transfer window as well, because it looks like an area of need, and I agree with you. Yeah, well, and it's interesting that Klopp has come out and said no, you know, that they won't. They've just got mm. a few injuries at the moment. I mean, they get Thiago back, I suppose, that, that helps. But, I mean, when you've got, you know, I, I don't know uh, how much of a distant relation of Darren Anderton he is, but Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain must have the nickname Sick Mike, surely. Um, you know, and, and uh, Curtis Jones hasn't really kicked on the way I, I think they would have they would have liked. It, it does look like, but mm. Klopp seems adamant that he's got everything he needs. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right about Oxlade-Chamberlain. I mean, you know a player's injury-prone when he's linked with West Ham, and he's been linked with us a number of times, so that, that's, a, that's a pretty good indication that um, his fitness isn't great. Uh, yeah, I mean... I, I wonder if part of it is that Klopp does have this sort of unshakable belief in in the squad and in his own ability to galvanise them, right? And again, why not? Look at what he's done there. He's clearly a transformational, fantastic coach. Um, so I don't think you can necessarily um, look at it and say, well, you know, he's he's clearly and obviously wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just from the outside, it does look a bit strange. But um, I don't. I wonder if there's a bit of smoke and mirrors there. I have to I just look at it, and I think we have to be going to look and go and get someone. Surely it just, it just seems, it just seems um, so odd not to address a pretty glaring hole um, when the league is sort of galloping away from you, right? I mean, it's not just Manchester City. Arsenal look fantastic, and and Spurs look great. So you can't let it get too far away from you because. Um, it's very difficult to catch up in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's actually uh, um, interesting. To I saw somebody who was it? Oh, it was Rio Ferdinand does a uh, does a, a podcast which is videoed with uh, head and United fan Steve Housen on with it, and uh, Housen said only I, I don't know if he was fully tongue in cheek or just partially, but he said. Uh, you know, Liverpool at the moment, you look at them and maybe it's that time, you know, they've got a guy in charge who uh, who's basically just done a Claudio Ranieri. He's done what Blackburn Rovers done. And, you know, he's taken them as far as he can. Now they need to get a manager in who mm. can take them to the next level. Well, there's lots of stuff going around. Uh, yeah, yeah, clop out. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Um, I mean... There's a, there's a similar sort of meme going around, which is that um, it's the seven-year itch, right? Because apparently this is his seventh year at Liverpool and he did seven at Dortmund and I think Mainz before that in Germany. And, um, uh, you know, I, 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 I think that the very best reinvent themselves, right? And, and the, the difficulty is always transitioning from one group of players to another. Mane's gone. Uh, you know, Salah and Firmino are now of an age where actually you know, it can become difficult to physically do all the things that they used to do. And obviously Liverpool are a hugely, have at times anyway, been hugely dependent upon that physical, the pressing, the, the physicality, the running, all that kind of stuff. They brought in Darwin Nunez. He needs a little bit of time to settle, <laughs> particularly because he's got sent off um, in, in his second game. Um, you know, so there's a few different things going on. Um, I, I, I don't think my immediate default answer would be Klopp needs to leave. <laughs> that, seems a, that, that seems a stretch. Um, I think I put a bit of faith in him to, to turn this around. Yeah, I did. I did like Darwin Nunez, given his hairstyle. Uh, was there was a, uh, a photo of him next to Andy Carroll, and he was nicknamed Angry Carroll. I saw which I, which yeah. I, which I, which I 
I did quite like. Um, what about Ten Hag then? Because Ten Hag seems to have been all about, hey, look, United, you know, we're going to play out from the back. They tried it against Brighton. They tried mm. it against Brentford. It was their undoing. Against Liverpool, um, I think tactically, you know, he went away from what he wants to do, but he, he went and did what got them a win. He looked at it and went, well, they don't have any creativity in midfield. Uh, the best mm. bit of, 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 of creating chances is winning the ball high against us. So we're just going to play it long down the channels, get in behind Alexander-Arnold, who's always out of position. Um, and yeah. Virgil van Dijk looks maybe like he's lost uh, half a yard of pace after that injury, and, and it seemed to work. Mm. Uh, you know, he, he kind of really counted everything that Liverpool can do and, and took away their strengths. Yeah, and I kind of admired that because I, I think there's something to be said for a manager who can kind of cut his cloth according to, to the challenges in front of him. I think the bigger issue with United really is, I mean, irrespective of whether it's Ten Hag, Pochettino, you know, it's not like they haven't gone through big name managers in, in various years. Um, I think that the question is always, um, uh, you know, can they succeed within the structure at Manchester United? You know, who who's buying and identifying the players? If you look at their transfer targets, um, schizophrenic would be a kind way of describing how they're sort of, um, you know, ricocheting from one to another. Casemiro, I suspect, will be a really good player for them. But you know, a five-year deal for a thirty-year-old on huge money is is um, a curious piece of business, perhaps. So I think there's there's that, there's that overlaying it, right? So can he succeed within that structure? But um, I yeah, I, I admired the the sort of tactical elasticity, shall we say, of what they did on on Monday. Whether that's sustainable against teams who won't play like Liverpool, you know, difficult to say. And then you come back to that problem of, you know, is the midfield fixed now having Casemiro in it or not? Um, but look, I, I think he's a good manager. He's clearly a good manager. He's clearly achieved success and improved players at Ajax. I just have my doubts really whether or not Manchester United isn't broken above him. So therefore that that's what will be his biggest issue. But I guess we'll we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. It's been a schizophrenic um, transfer window from United. Some of the players have been linked to you know, I, I said that. On out to bitch. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think I'll never get over that. <laughs> yeah, well, that was one of them. And, you know, I would go, if I'm a fan of the club and they've gone, we're going to go with this guy, and he's worked with Ten Hag and he's worked with McLaren, you go, all right, he's 33, maybe he's a third choice striker. I don't fully agree with this, but that's what they're going to do. And they go and do it. But then for the club to go, oh, no, the fans don't like this, so we're not going to sign him anymore, makes me go, well, hang on. If you, you, either, you either got a plan or you don't. And, you know, you've got to stick mm. to your guns if you've got a plan. That, to me, was more of a red the Not signing him rather than signing him was more of a red flag, but given it seems so knee-jerk. But uh, anyway, we should mm. um, talk a couple of other things, Jim, before we let you go. One of those uh, is Frank Lampard. I've never been convinced of him as a, as a manager at the highest level, and I think he's really got his work cut out at Everton. Uh, if they're talking about signing Anthony Gordon, I don't know if they're going to score another goal this season. Um, you know, given how they've got rid of Richarlison and, and Calvert-Lewin's obviously done his ankle and his high heels. So, um, I mean, where, where do you think they go? They are, I think, the weirdest team in the league. And I, and I say that with with sort of affection for Everton. They're a, a great old club, right, you know, and they've been around in the Premier League for years and years. Um, but I don't really I'm I'm in, in the same boat as you. I'm not sure I immediately think Lampard is a transformational manager. I think he's um done okay but at various points also been exposed. I think a little bit it's both sort of tactically and in terms of his man management. Um 
I like a couple of the signings they've made. Um, the, the Belgian lad that West Ham were linked with Onana look, looks like, a, a, I think, a very good player in the middle of the park. I mean, you mentioned Anthony Gordon. I mean, it, it, isn't that often now up to 60 million? I mean, yeah. I, you know, they're, they're, now that's the same money they got for Richarlison. Now, I mean, again, we're coming back a little bit to what on earth are Chelsea doing? But they, they really ought to be biting their hand off for 60 million. But then only, of course, if you can go and deploy it properly in the transfer market. And Everton's transfer dealings have been historically in the last few years really all over the place so i think they're quite a good outside bet for relegation if they don't um make you know do do, do the next couple of weeks well you know so if they sell gordon and they spend the money properly that they'll be fine because they've got the resources and they've got good players and everything else um but if they sell him and, and just go crazy with that money i really think they could be in for a long season i i i honestly think there's always one team good big team, big name team that gets dragged into it. West Ham are always a good fit for that, I'm, I'm afraid to say. But uh, but I think Everton could be a good fit for that this year as well. I really do. I think they, they look just very disjointed and I don't have that much faith in Lampard. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm 100% with you. He's made some unusual signings. I mean, the fact that he's really trying to ship Dali Alley out when he was instrumental in bringing him in was, uh, was an interesting oh, thing. Yeah. And the other thing too is, I, I guess, how much... How much of that sixty million are they going to get? Because I've been reading about Chelsea trying to sign Fafana, um, and Leicester keep saying, "Well, no, no," and they keep going back. Mm-hmm. But you know, they've offered seventy million, but only apparently ten million of that's up front. The rest of it's dependent. So I, I wonder how good that offer is. They say sixty million, but um, how much of it Everton will get immediately? I mean, and they are a team or a club that financially are um, sort of have been redlining it and running close to being foul of the financial fair play as well. Yeah, they really do. And the, and the the other overlying thing that you have to consider with Everton is they've got this new stadium, which looks absolutely incredible. Um, Bramley Moor, it's by the Liverpool docks, looks just, you know, an unbelievable stadium. But of course, what we know about stadiums are that they're incredibly expensive. And if you look at teams who've, who've moved from one stadium to another in recent years, um, where, they've, where they own the stadium, so not West Ham, but if you look at, say, Arsenal, they went through a very tough period where their transfer dealings were restricted and they kind of relied a lot on on Wenger being a bit of a wizard and um, Spurs have sailed close to the wind financially I think in the last um, few years they've, they've got over a billion dollars um, USD debt on that stadium and I haven't looked at the Everton numbers all that all that closely um, recently but I think that's a pretty hefty spend as well that they've got so yeah I I, I do agree I, I think it's it's curious but I, I still think I'd be snapping um, Chelsea's hand off <laughs> for 60 million for Gordon he's a, he's a good player but that's um that's an insane deal but yeah. uh, you know that's um, one, one to look at I guess yeah and I think you know for somebody like Anthony Gordon I know it's probably gonna um, set him up for life but you've also if you were him you got to look at you know I don't know Ross Barclay for example and go is this really the right <laughs> move yeah, I mean, football, well, probably not just footballers, all athletes have an unshakable belief in, in their own ability, right? You know, so I think he'll probably go and say, um, you know, I back myself to get into this team and, and I back myself for, for this to be the next big move in my career. I think, objectively, neutral observers would probably agree with your assessment. There's a lot of very good players. There. I mean, you know, if, you, if, you, if you've got, say, Christian Pulisic, who's also struggling to get game time there, or Kai Havertz, who doesn't play all that frequently. You know, you might, might look at those players and think, well, if they're not getting in, am I definitely going to get in? Um, but I don't think professional footballers think that way. I think they always believe they'll 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 force the issue. Plus, he's young and he'll improve. Um, but yeah, it does have a bit of a vibe, doesn't it, of 70 million to Chelsea now, 
back out on loan to to Villa in a, in eighteen months because he's not got any game time. It's it's a bit it's a curious one all round. I think. Yeah, very much so. Uh, and before we let you go, uh, we talked a little bit about Chelsea, but uh, that three nil to Leeds seems a weird one. No Koulibaly now um, for for the next match, and the, you know they're desperately short of defenders as well. Um, where do you think they go next? Apparently they've said, all right, Fafana's a no-go. Um, mm. Harry Maguire to Chelsea? That has been a rumour. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I saw that, and I assumed that um, <clears throat> somebody had sort of taken a dart and thrown it in a, in a Panini sticker book and, and you know, <laughs> come up with Harry Maguire to Chelsea. I mean, I, I, that seems very curious to me. Um, if for no other reason than... Maguire, at the age he's at, I think I'm right in saying he's 29 now, Maguire, um, just doesn't immediately seem like a player that a, a top-level side would go and buy. Um, with that being said, they gave a four- or five-year deal to, to Kula Valley, who's 31, I think, or yeah. 30. So, uh, you know, like, like we've already discussed, there's not a lot of rhyme or reason in what they're doing down there. So, yeah, look, that might be a deal. I, I think that, that, just, <laughs> that just doesn't chime for me at all. If they're going for Fafana, to then say, oh, we won't get him, we'll go for Harry Maguire. That really seems like going from one end of the shopping aisle to the other. Um, I, I think they might switch their attentions elsewhere. They've been heavily linked with um, Kunde at Sevilla. Um, so, you know, whether or not that one, I'm not sure. But yeah, we'll we'll see. But I, I don't know how much faith I'd put in, um, in Harry Maguire going to, to Chelsea. That seems an odd one as well. All right. And finally, Jim, uh, the sack race. And we've talked about a few managers who might be in trouble. I don't think David Moyes is one of them, but I think Frank Lampard could be. Stephen Gerrard might be, given how much money Villa mm. have spent. Um, who Who is your favourite to, to to walk the plank? I think those two. I would also chuck Brendan Rodgers into the mix as well mm. at Leicester because I think there's some weird stuff happening there. If you look at their transfers, they're mostly... I think Have they signed anyone this year? They, I, no. I think they're predominantly outgoing, anyone. Yeah. I think they haven't signed anyone. Um, you know, Casper Schmeichel going, they've replaced him with Danny Ward, he doesn't look like he, he could catch a bus, you know, so there, there's there's a real problem, there's something going on there, I think financially they might be in a real, in a real pickle, um, so I think he would be my favourite, but I also think um, Gerard potentially, hopefully with a bit of help from West Ham on Sunday, um, <laughs> I think he could... I think he could be uh, on, a, on a tight leash as well, because as you say, actually, historically, his results are not great. He sort of garnered a reputation there without actually having delivered an awful lot. So I, I definitely think he could be uh, on thin ice as well. Yeah, Jim, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it, mate. And uh, if people want to follow you, where's the best, where's the place, best place to go? Uh, so go on to Twitter at, at the H list. Um, there's a link there then to the blog. All, all of that kind of stuff is archived. And then uh, knees up, Mother Brown is the is the sort of the the kind of big West Ham uh, fan website that, that I that I write for as well. Yeah, good stuff, mate. Really appreciate your time, Jim. Go well. Enjoy the rest of your day. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Rick. Thank you, uh, Jim Coons. There talking to us out of the UK about the Premier League and uh, the transfer window as well. It